0: well good morning church how we doing so glad that you chose to be with us this morning so listen i've got a couple of things for you as we get started this morning so last week we were all in this room together for our one service where we came together to to talk about this project in front of us to expand our children's ministry area our adult faith formation space to increase our building accessibility And we talked about the why of this construction and renovation project, that God has put this incredible opportunity in front of us, that all these kids that he is bringing to us to point all of those kids and our adults to Jesus. And we talked about our response to that project. And so we collected an offering and pledges to those construction costs, our pledge window closes tomorrow, October 1st. If you would still like to pledge, you can pick up one of these cards out at our welcome desk, and there is a collection box there for you as well. The second thing that I have for you is interest groups. Interest groups are groups that come together based around a shared interest and really is, is a way to connect here at our Mannheim BIC family. So for me, when I think of interest groups firing on all cylinders, I get this picture of people that belong to this church family connecting into these groups. People that may actually go to a different church connecting into these groups. Even people that that may not go to church at all might be far from Jesus connecting into these groups as well. But I still have people ask me, Brian, so what are interest groups? So in your bulletin this morning, there's actually an insert there that helps with that. And we've got on the backside of that insert is a listing of all of our groups. So we've got, and this is all over the spectrum, knitting and crocheting, antiques, mountain biking, martial arts, scrapbooking, motorcycle rides, mommy and me music class, dog walking, trail running, sewing, ladies game night, and basketball. So... Let's just call it out that, that connection, when you are the size of church that we are, that connection at a, at a church like MBIC can be hard. But if you're looking for connection here and something on this list catches your attention, I would encourage you to reach out to that host's information that is there on that insert. The third thing that I have for you is that I am going on sabbatical for the month of October. October. So within the the BIC, lead pastors typically serve for five-year terms, and I am just coming into this fifth year and so as we get ready to jump into year five as, as, as me being lead pastor our leadership board has graciously given me the month of October to step away and to get quiet and to, to get some training as I begin this process of discerning what God wants as we come into year five. And so I just want to say that I greatly appreciate your prayers that I am able to get quiet that I begin to clearly see what God wants what the future holds as I to, as I desire to be when it's all said and done I desire to be obedient for me that is the definition of success desire to be obedient to what he wants Fourth thing is this this morning we begin a brand new series and this really is part two of something that we started talking about back in July. This series really is part two of our kingdom focus. And, and I think that this term kingdom can be confusing for us. And so the most straightforward, most meaningful definition that I can give you is simply this. And if you know what I'm about to say, that's awesome because that means that I'm getting through to you the most straightforward, most meaningful definition that I can give you for kingdom is this, that kingdom is the reign and the rule of the king. Because the, the power of any kingdom, the authority of any kingdom, the influence of any kingdom ties directly back to that kingdom's ruler, ties directly to that kingdom's king. And so when you see in scripture, when, when you see this term or this idea of kingdom, it is all about our king. All about the reign and the rule of God and what life looks like under that reality. And so we have spent the last 10 or 11 weeks looking at the uniqueness and the power and the majesty and the love and the beauty of King Jesus. And so this morning, as we step into part two of this kingdom emphasis, we're going to start to look at how that reality, the reality of King Jesus, the reality of our King, how that reality is available to you and can become more and more a reality in your life. And so in your bulletin again, you have this postcard which really does serve as the roadmap for these next couple of months, the rest of 2018, and this kingdom emphasis that we'll focus on as part of our Sunday mornings together. So to that end, these next three months, we're going to look at what is probably the most popular sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a sermon that is all about knowing and experiencing the reality of the kingdom. The reality of King Jesus, it's a series that we are are calling Beautiful Life, knowing the reality and experiencing Christ in the face of the kinds of things that we all struggle with, anger and sexual temptation and stretching the truth and revenge and pride and greed and fear and that list goes on. And so we're calling this new series Life with King Jesus. How, how Christ invites you into a beautiful life of surrender. And so our Sunday morning conversations are going to come directly out of Matthew chapters 5 and 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And so not only do you have th- this postcard this morning, but if you want more, let, let me point you to a resource, and it's this. It's, it's a book called The Good and Beautiful Life written by a guy named James Brian Smith. And, and the pastors that will be with you on a Sunday morning are using this book as a resource. You might want to check that out. And if you're looking for even more ways to interact with this series, if you would like to have that, that scripture that we're going to look at on a Sunday morning sent directly to your email inbox, you can sign up for our weekly scripture. If you're not receiving that weekly scripture now and you want to receive it, the only thing that you have to do is, is send an email to Pastor Daniel. His, his email address is on the screen. You don't have to write him anything. Just simply put the word life in that subject line. If you're already receiving these emails and you want to continue to receive these emails, you don't have to do anything. And I always want to give you this chance. If you are receiving these emails and you're like, Brian, you are driving me nuts with this email every single week. And you want off that distribution list, just simply send an email again to Daniel and put the word stop in that subject line. Again, this is a no judgment zone. I'm not gonna be upset with you. You are not gonna hurt my feelings. If it's just too much, send stop to Pastor Daniel and we'll take you off that distribution list. So, lots of details for us as we get started this morning. But as we begin to focus on the kingdom and the reality of, of the kind of life that Jesus invites you into, I want us to start with a super basic question. And the question is simply this, what do you want? How will you respond to the kingdom life that Jesus is inviting you into? Because it's this question that is going to be in the room this entire next three months as we talk and look at the Sermon on the Mount. What will you do with this invitation to allow God's rule to have its way in your life? See, all of this talk about the kingdom, which really is a beautiful kind of life, really is an invitation to surrender to the reign of the king in your life more and more and more. But with any invitation, you have to decide, what do I want? See, if you invite me to the, to the, the, the beach, I'm probably going to say yes. I love the ocean. However, if we get to the beach and you invite me to the boardwalk, I'm absolutely going to say no. Literally, every year we go to the beach, my family has this giant fight because they all love the boardwalk and I hate the boardwalk. Just way too many people for me. So, so when, when I get an invitation, right, my yes, my no to an invitation comes down to what do I want? Your yes, your no to an invitation comes down to what do you want? And so as we begin this series looking about what life looks like under the rule and the reign of God, which is the key to the beautiful life, what do you want? What do you want in your life? What do you want out of your life? What do you want? How will you respond to the kingdom life that Jesus is inviting you into? that gets us to our scripture for this morning. Matthew chapter four, at the very start of Christ's ministry, Jesus lays out an invitation to all of us. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God. And there's the question. There's the invitation. Will you turn to God? Will you embrace the king? Will you go the the way of the king? And why? Why? for the kingdom of heaven is near. See, Jesus can say that the kingdom is near because he, the king, is near. And so from that book that I referenced just a moment ago, I found this quote, and it points out a danger for us in this verse and also helps us understand what we are seeing in this verse. Here's the quote, this is the danger. By labeling the kingdom as an end times reality that will come at the return of Christ, its role and value for our present lives is negated. And the danger is that if you think of the kingdom only in terms of a future reality, you're gonna let yourself off the hook. You're gonna say, well, hey, this kingdom stuff isn't for me right now. The rest of the quote. There's no doubt that the kingdom of God has not been fully established. Yes, Jesus primarily taught about the kingdom in the present tense, right? The kingdom is near which is to say that the kingdom of God is a present reality that will be fully consummated in the future. Everything Jesus said about the kingdom is true in our lives. Yes, one day it will be the governing power over the entire universe, but for now, it is intended to be the governing power over you and me. Our second kingdom passage for this morning is this, going to Matthew 13. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Our third kingdom passage is this, immediately following what we just saw. It's verse 33 of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus also used this illustration, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Here in these, these two illustrations that Jesus give, gives us, he's pointing to the, the humble, quiet beginnings of the kingdom come through Jesus and the future greatness of the kingdom. Despite appearances, Jesus is saying here that the kingdom is here. It is active. It is on the move. Both mustard seed and yeast are super tiny, but mustard seed imagines large scale growth. Yeast imagines large scale transformation. Despite appearances, the kingdom is active and on the move. Massive change is underway. Our last kingdom passage, still in Matthew 13. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. In the analogies that Jesus gives here, this hidden treasure and this pearl of great value, Jesus is saying that the kingdom, God's rule, is of the highest value. That the kingdom and its king are, like, are treasures like no other. That the kingdom and its king are far more valuable than anything else. The kingdom, the rule of God, and the king are the greatest treasures. And so if we take everything that we've seen in these couple of verses and we bring it all together, we can say this, that the kingdom is near because its king is near. Despite appearances, the kingdom is active and on the move. Massive change is underway. The kingdom is worth your everything. So if we go back to that very first verse that we looked at the statement that Jesus makes at the start of his ministry and we said that, that there's a question in this verse for us there's an invitation in this verse for us will you turn to God Will you embrace the king? Will you go the way of the king? Will you allow the kingdom, the rule of the king, to be the governing power over you? Which gets us back to our questions what do you want? How will you respond to the kingdom life that Jesus is inviting you into? This kingdom life, this beautiful life that we're going to see highlighted in the Sermon on the Mount. As you answer these questions over these next couple of weeks, I think it's helpful to know that there are going to be times when this kingdom life, when this beautiful life, it's going to feel counterintuitive. It is going to feel disorienting. Times that if you say yes to this kingdom invitation, this this invitation to step into this kingdom kind of life, this beautiful life, times that you're gonna be tempted to say, hold up, are you sure this is right? Because if if you look at the narrative of our broader culture, if you look at your default response out, outside of the, the, the kingdom's influence, where you naturally turn outside of the kingdom's influence in your life, right? the beautiful life is not going to line up with where our culture goes. It's not going to line up with your gut. And you might be tempted to say, are you sure this is right because it doesn't feel right? It's like this example. This picture is the rappel tower at Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island. Anybody ever rappel before? Got some hands. Boot camp, the uh, Marines march you to the top of this tower and, and make you rappel off. And as someone who's done that, I've got to tell you that when you get to that edge and they connect you onto that rope and they tell you to keep your legs straight and simply lean back out into the nothingness, lean back and let that rope hold you when you have spent your entire life before that moment avoiding high ledges like this, that if you fall off, you are going to die. When you lean back on that rope above this drop, at some level you feel, whoa, whoa, this is not right because it feels disorienting it feels counterintuitive you think this is going to kill me and when you're standing on that ledge and they tell you to jump off everything within you is saying hold up are you sure this is right because this is scary and the beautiful life can be exactly like that and here's the reason why Because in the Sermon on the Mount, this picture of what the beautiful life, this picture of what the kingdom life looks like, the the Sermon on the Mount talks to the kind of things that that we all struggle with, yet the answers that the Sermon on the Mount provides to us are answers that are very different from what our, our culture tells us are very different from the the answers that we default to on our own. And because of that, these things that we get to talk about as we look at the Sermon on the Mount can feel counterintuitive, can feel disorienting, can feel scary. Let's see if this slide helps. See, here's what we're going to see as we talk about the Sermon on the Mount over these next couple of weeks. If I take just a couple of these, and, and I think I stole this from Paul Miller's A Praying Life. But if we take a couple of these, the Sermon on the Mount has very pointed things to say about how we treat, how we respond to our enemies. So so what is culture's narrative? What is our default narrative when it comes to our enemies? Isn't it hammer them before they hammer you? Or if they beat you to the punch, make sure that you hit them back, but hit them even harder. Make them pay. Hit them where it hurts. Those are the go-to options that we, that we naturally turn to, that we automatically default to. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is gonna close the door on those go-to options. Jesus is gonna slam that door closed. And because those doors are closed, where are, are you gonna go? Jesus is gonna open up a new way. Jesus is gonna open up a new door and invite you to love your enemy. Jesus is gonna open up a new door and invite you to turn the other cheek. Let's grab two more of these. Anybody wrestle with a judgmental, critical spirit? When Jesus closes the door of criticism, where are you going to go? Jesus is gonna open up a new way. Jesus is gonna open a new door and invite you to not judge. Anybody wrestle with anxiety, wrestle with fear. Jesus is gonna close that door of fear and control and he's gonna open a new way. Jesus is gonna open a new door up for you and invite you to not worry. And as Jesus shuts our go-to, our default doors and opens the door of his way, you have to know he's not doing that as a rigid set of rules, but rather he is inviting you into a new way of life. And while this slide doesn't talk to, to everything that we get to work through as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, can you see that if you are fighting with your enemies, You are bent on revenge. You are building up relational walls. You are the victim of your pride or greed or you are critical or you suffer from anxiety. Anybody want to make the case that those things make up the beautiful life? That those are the things that constitute a good life? But if there's a way to find freedom, If there's a way to learn what freedom from these kind of things looks like, I'm going to make the case that that growing freedom, that that kingdom way, the way that Jesus invites you into, that is the beautiful life. A life that is less and less constrained by anger and pride and greed and a critical spirit and fear. That's the makings of a beautiful life and it's a life that can be yours if you will follow in the way of Jesus, in the way of the kingdom, but but you have to know that it is going to be a life of surrender. But you have to know that it's a life that is not always going to be easy but you have to know that in this kind of life it's a life where he is king and so if we go back to our questions what do you want how will you respond to the kingdom life that Jesus is inviting you into and I'll invite our worship team to come back I can, I can promise you that life in the kingdom is a beautiful life. I can promise you that God's role in your life, God's role and the king, as we saw in Matthew chapter 13, are worth your everything. But do you believe that? Do you believe that?